Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are the words of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, thank you, Andy, and good morning, everybody. If you're a guest this morning, I want to just welcome you. Glad that you are here worshiping with us today. And uh, to let you know that we, you probably already have a sense of this, we're not a perfect community. We don't even pretend to be, but, um, but we are a sincere community, and we sincerely want to uh, help one another uh, discover and encounter Jesus. We want to sincerely help each other to live connected uh, we want to help one another find freedom from the things that keep us from li living the life that God has made us for. And uh, we want to help one another make a difference in the world around us. I think so many of you are here because of at least one or maybe a collection of those things. So welcome if you're a guest. This is the kind of community uh, that you've walked into this morning. Now we spent the past couple of weeks as a church building a case for why every follower of Jesus should see themselves as a missionary. And if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, that won't sound maybe as shocking to those of you who might be popping in for the first time in this teaching series. But the idea is that all of us, all followers of Jesus, uh, have been sent to alert others to the universal reign of God in the person of Jesus. And you say, well, show me that in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. I don't have time to show you all of the passages of Scripture. Or you could also go back and listen to all of the passages of Scripture over the last two weeks that I've quoted to show you that in the Bible. But the truth is we've been commissioned, commissioned. We've been brought into this thing that God is doing. And the thing that God is doing is such good news to the world. If they could just hear the good news, they would see that God sent Jesus, not counting their, our sins against us, but reconciling us to God through Jesus Christ. They would see that God's plan is to restore and renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ, and now through the church. We've been commissioned, we've been drafted into this great uh, mission of God to do all of those things. Now, contrary to maybe what you've been told, those of you who have been in the church for any length of time, not everybody is a gifted evangelist. 
I don't think it's everybody's job in here to go out and to boldly just proclaim to the, to the streets or the, the train or to the building to just start speaking out loud the gospel of Jesus. And yet, I do believe we are all called to do the work of an evangelist. So you, you're probably sitting here feeling like, I don't think I'm very good at what he's about to say. And I've heard something like this before, and I'm sure at the end of it, I'm either just gonna resent what he said because I'm not good at that, or I'm gonna feel guilty about what he said because I'm not good at it or I'm not doing it. And I just wanna say, maybe you'll feel all of those things, and if so, that's not the intent. Because what I wanna say today is I don't actually think that what you've been told you're called to do in terms of sharing or alerting people to the reign of God in the person of Jesus, I don't think you're called to do it in the way maybe that you've been told in your life. So what I mean is that not all followers of Jesus are called to that bold proclamation or that bold pre preaching, but everybody is called to give gracious answers when asked about the hope that we have. We're called to give gracious and clear and compelling answers when people ask us about the life that we live and why we live it in the way that we live it. Listen, th th that's according to Colossians 4, which says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity, let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, why? So that you may know how to answer everyone. If this is true, if we are to give an answer, be prepared to give an answer to everyone, then my suggestion is that we really take seriously the stories of Jesus and we immerse ourselves in the stories of Jesus by reading them, maybe daily, by, by, by thinking about them, by meditating on those stories, by rehearsing them, sort of telling others, friends, ourselves, uh, the stories of Jesus that we're learning so that when people ask us for the hope that we have, the answer isn't some sort of convoluted thing about the history of the Christian faith, but the answer is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the answer. That, so we need to be prepared to do that, but I don't actually think that's the challenge that we face. I don't think that's the, the good news of Jesus. So listen, can, can we just be honest for a second? Going to church and attending meetings doesn't exactly connect us with unbelievers, does it? Nor does it invite curiosity about our faith. Non-Christians expect us to go to church. Newsflash. Non-Christians expect us to attend some meetings. Now, they might not know what's going on at those meetings, and they might be glad they're not at those meetings, but they expect that you will be at those meetings if you are a Christian. So what I'm calling, because none of that sparks curiosity, what I'm calling our church to do is to begin to organize our community around a set of habits. What I'd love to see us really embrace as a community, and I don't just mean in the short term, I mean as a way of doing life together in the city that we would develop a set of habits that will move us closer in proximity with, with Jesus, that would move us in closer proximity with each other, and that ultimately will move us in prox into closer proximity with those to whom we've been sent. And so when I say to you, it is the calling of every follower of Jesus to live as a missionary, what I'm saying is that every single one of us has a place or a people or a passion to which we've been called. And, and God is bringing renewal in those places through people like you and I that join him in that sentness, that join him in living sent lives. 
So these are the five habits that I'm calling us to, to pattern our lives around, and these are actually habits patterned after the life of Jesus. So they're simple, okay? In fact, can I just warn you, like, this is gonna be so underwhelming, you're gonna think you're in the wrong church, or that we've just sort of like slipped a little bit as a community. But I want to encourage you to hang with it, to stay in this, because you'll see as a collective how powerful this ethos actually is and can be, and how different our lives will look if we really embrace these these habits patterned after the life of Jesus, of blessing and eating and listening and learning and sentness or living sent. So let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be great if you could live on mission with God in a way that didn't sap you of your energy, in a way that didn't burn you out with everything else you have going on in life, but in a way that actually gives you energy that empowers you and that ultimately connects you more deeply with Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I, I don't want another sort of like model. I, I don't want some other sort of like program. I, I don't want some sort of campaign. I don't want any of that. I'm exhausted. I have a job to do. I have to work during the week. I know it doesn't seem like it because most of you just see me here on Sundays. You think they just wheel me out of one of the carts here behind the the curtain every single week and I just pop out with a sermon, but that's not my life, I have things to do. I sometimes meet with you guys, or there's a lot of stuff anyway, whatever, I won't go into it, but here's the thing. We all have jobs, we all have school, we all have work, we all have life, we all have responsibilities, and we're maxed out because the city will take every single ounce you have and more if you will give it. And the reason you will give it is because you're standing or sitting right next to another person who's giving it and you are being compared with that person. And you know, if I don't give every ounce and more, then this person's gonna get recognized, and this person's gonna get the promotion, and this person's gonna get the money, and this person's gonna get the accolades, and this person's gonna get the recognition. Everything that makes us feel worthy, this person's gonna get. And so what I'm saying to you is, that needs to be addressed, we'll deal with that at another time. But the point is, God is inviting us to live on mission in a way that is natural. In, in a way that just brings who we actually are and who God is making us to be to bear in the relationships and in the places around us. That's the aim of, of these five habits, I think, is to engage in such a way that isn't just one more thing, but it's, a, it's actually a new way to be. It, it's a new way to be human. It's a new way to be in New York on mission with God. So today I wanna to talk about the first habit, how to bless like Jesus. Now, if you think this is just too pragmatic or too practical, I think that's a problem. I don't think you can ever be too pragmatic or too practical. But if you think it is, what I, what I wanna just point to is that each of these habits are designed to release a certain value in our life. And it's those values that are released as we implement these habits that actually make the difference and make us have, or sort of like, um, characterize our lives as something worthy to be questioned. It's not necessarily the things we do, but it's, it's, it's what those things make us. And you realize you basically have been made in the image of your habits. You do the thing that you desire. So whatever habits you have, you're drawn to do those things because you actually want to do them. That we're actually not, we don't decide ultimately what we want. Our heart decides what we want and we follow our heart. 
And so that's why it's so important to cultivate our hearts so that we crave the things that God craves. That's why the scriptures say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our hearts should long for the kingdom and we should go, and if they do, then we'll go after the kingdom, but only after our hearts long for them. Well, in the same way, we should long to be like Jesus, but we won't long to be like Jesus until we have a, until we have a desire, until that desire has been cultivated. And so what I'm saying to you today is like all of those desires are cultivated through habits, through the things that we do. And if you do them long enough and you stick with them, it cultivates those habits. Well, it also cultivates not just, sorry, our desires. It cultivates not only our desires, but it actually cultivates our values. We, we, we desire the things that we value. We desire the things that, that we think are most important or significant about who we are. And so I want you to think about this for a second. If, if this habit, blessing people, releases some kind of value in you, like, you know, don't answer out loud, but just think about this. If you were to bless other people like Jesus, what kind of person do you think you would become? If you were to set about living your life in very practical, tangible ways where you say, I'm, just like brushing my teeth, I'm gonna, I'm gonna establish a habit in my life of blessing people. I wonder what over time that would create. I think ultimately that would create in us a generosity that's uncommon. There aren't a lot of people intentionally looking around them to see in the city who they can bless. There aren't a lot of people like taking this seriously. And so if we're living in a way that's sort of countercultural, it will cause our life to begin to sing. People begin to wonder what in the world is wrong with those people that keep going around blessing everybody. They're not like other Christians I know that seem to go around cursing everybody. Well, what's up with these people? Why do they live this way? Why do they do this? Anyway, I want us to think about this really practically. If we're going to be generous people, we have to have habits that bring us into the generosity of Jesus, and I think that we can get there by blessing. So, habit number one. So, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, Start taking notes and write this down. <laughs> Habit number one. I told you it's gonna get very pragmatic and some of you are gonna think, what in the world? Give me some deep theology. Oh, there's some theology here, don't worry, listen. I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom is not yet a follower of Jesus. So when I say we wanna like, establish some habits, literally I mean some practical things to do. I know you thought when I said establish some habits, you thought I meant we're gonna think about some things deeply. Or we're going to uh, do 12 weeks of Bible study on something. And, and that's all great, thinking about things deeply is really important. But at some point, don't we just have to start living this stuff out somehow to find some sort of handles? And we say, hey, we wanna live the way of Jesus. That's great, how do we, do, how do we actually practically do that? And so we're just trying to give some handles to this, and this is a handle. It's one. It's not the only thing, but it's something that can begin to move us into proximity, both with Jesus with one another, well, with Jesus with one another, and, and, to, and, and with those to whom we are sent. Listen to this. This is from James chapter 3. James writes in this letter. It says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed, by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Boy, that's true. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless, 
our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be so. What does it mean to bless? The word translated bless here comes from the word eulogia or eulogia, which, which is where we get the word eulogy from. And so think about it. Blessing is just giving the eulogy for people that are still alive so they can hear it, okay? That's an easy way to think about blessing. It comes from the same word. It means to speak well of or to praise. And the Apostle James, in his letter here, he, he, he points out that it's easy for us, too easy. And I, I think we, if we're all being honest, we could, we could see this pretty clearly in, in what's happening right now, but the idea is that we find it easy to bless God out of one side of our mouth and out of the other side of our mouth curse people that God has made in his image. And James again is saying, this is, this is not how it's meant to be, guys. And you say, well, how do I know who's been made in God's image? That's easy. Every human being has been made in the image of God. So if you're wondering, am I blessing the right people and cursing the right people? Terrible, <laughs> terrible question. <laughs> it's easy to bless God. Most of the time. Not all of the time. But it's relatively easy to bless God. And it's relatively easy to bless people who bless us, isn't it? But what happens when we begin to practice a life of blessing people who curse us? And you say, well, in New York, that would start to look different, wouldn't it? I, I actually think there's something harder to do in New York than to bless someone who curses us. Because we can look at someone who curses us in New York and just make up all sorts of stories about them in our head and dismiss them or ignore them. So then I would say, well then, what would happen if we began as a community of people to bless people who curse us, but, but maybe more difficultly is to bless people who disagree with us? Wow, that's really quiet. To bless people who don't share our point of view. To bless people who are on the other side. See, what's become normal, both outside the church, which is where it starts, but has become completely normal inside the church, is not to bless those who disagree with us or curse us, it's to villainize those who disagree with us or curse us. And this is gonna tick some of us off this morning. I get it. I, I mean, I don't, you're, most of you are really too young to know of a dude named Rich Mullins, but one of, the, one of my favorite things that Rich Mullins ever said, he's a, a, a Christian artist and sort of a hippie guy, and, and one of the things he said that I was just like, that's the most profound thing I've ever heard anyone say. He says, it's hard to be like Jesus. That's the thing that stuck with me from Rich Mullins. Like, it's really hard to be like Jesus. It's hard, but this is the calling. Guys, we're not like everybody else. We have the spirit of the living God in us. And the spirit of the living God is the spirit of reconciliation. 
And that spirit has reconciled us to God. It's reconciled us to each other. It's, it's even right now doing its work to reconcile us to ourselves, to know who we are and who God's made us to be and is redeeming us to be. But it's also the spirit of reconciliation that reconciles us to the other, to the person that doesn't agree or doesn't look like us. Anyone made in the image of God, we bless because that's how God intended it to be. See, for, for Christians, we've been trained to see everyone as sinners in need of saving. Wouldn't you agree? I know you're a little sketched out right now. You're like, not sure what I'm gonna say. Is that the right thing? I'm pretty sure that is right, but I'm not sure if I should say it's right. It is right. The thing that you and I have in common and the thing that we have in common with everybody who calls New York home and the thing that everybody who calls New York home has in common with everybody in the world is that we are all sinners in need of being saved, of redeemed by God. That is true. But can I offer this to you this morning? It's a secondary truth. Not lesser than, but if you're putting it in order, we were made in the image of God before we were sinners in need of saving. Every human being was. And so you can hold to both of those things as being true. But what would happen if we began to live in light? It's very difficult to bless sinners in need of saving. It's a lot easier to bless people made in the image of God. Wouldn't you agree? So if we could see people first in that light, not ignoring the other, but if we could see people first in the light of having been made in the image of God, then we can look for the image of God in that person, no matter how broken, and begin to call it out which I think is what the Spirit of God is doing, saying you've been made for something more than this. You've been made for something better than this, and there's something in the way, and I've dealt with it in the person of Jesus. Don't you want to be who I've made you to be? We are called to bless not just those who agree with us or who like us or who bless us, but we're called to bless everyone. And again, I wonder how different our lives might be if as a Christian in New York City who makes it a habit to bless. So if you, if you haven't noticed, when people hear the word Christian today, people who bless is not the first sort of thing people come up with, is it, when they, when they try to characterize or think about us today. And that's fine, it is what it is, but, and, and, and we got there in some really terrible ways, and some of it we really need to own up to. And part of it is we also just face the enemy and an opposition that would wish to sort of darken the eyes of people or close their ears to the good news of Jesus. And I think because so many times when we see Christians now opening their mouths in the public square, we just sort of cringe and we just wish they wouldn't, wouldn't open their mouths and maybe start talking less. In fact, some Christians think that maybe we've done enough talking for a while and maybe we should just be quiet and maybe that would be better than cursing, but that's not what we're called to, because words matter. I mean, don't forget that when God created the world, he spoke it into existence. This is our story. It begins with a word spoken. There is power in words. You're like, well, that, that's, that's cheating, because that's God, and you know, we can't speak a world into existence. No, that, that, that's true. That's true. But if we've been made in the image of God and then we've been called into this thing that God is doing, actually our words do have power, don't they? They have the power to build up or to tear down 
or create or disintegrate. Our words do have power. They do have weight. Think about Jesus when he's being tempted by Satan in the wilderness before his, before his public ministry. In Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But what sustains, what sustains those made in the image of God? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, those are God's words, Derek. That's cheating. Yeah, but our words matter too. And in the book of Proverbs, we read that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And elsewhere in Proverbs, that was 1624. And in 1821, we read death and life are in the power of the tongue, not just God's, ours. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you have the power of life in your tongue. Please don't stop talking. There is power in your words. But as the Apostle Paul says in the text that Andy read for us this morning, Romans 12, let's bless and not curse. And it's gonna be hard for me to bless people I disagree with. Is there anyone in here that could honestly say, that's not hard for you? If you're in our church, I haven't met you yet because a lot of our conversations are about how hard it is to bless those who we disagree with. And so I just wanna say, like, can we be gracious with one another? It takes time. It takes time. And maybe we should begin practicing blessing those people that are easier to bless. I don't even know that we're really doing that. Let's begin to bless and over time, I think, I think we'll get there. So what does it look like to bless? What will it look like for me to bless three people this week? I'm gonna give you three very practical, again, very simple ways to bless. You can bless people with your words of affirmation this week. So as I'm talking, I want you to be thinking, am I, sign, am I gonna sign up for this or do I have to do this because I'm a part of this church? Is there gonna be like a representative that follows me around from the church keeping an eye on me? Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. You don't know where we are, but we're out there, and we're watching, and we're journaling, and we're reporting, and we're going to talk about you next week, whether you're here or not. Well, how did Jennifer do? She only blessed two people this week, and I'm pretty sure they agreed with her on everything, so she's not really doing it completely. All right, so you can bless with your words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are the simplest way to bless somebody. I'm gonna prove it to you in a second. But words of affirmation are the simplest way to bless somebody. So uh, how would I go about doing it? Uh, do I have to meet them online first? Guys, listen. I, <laughs> there are real people in your actual life that you can reach out to and talk and have a conversation with. And if that seems too difficult, then send somebody a note. Write them an email. If anyone still emails, write them an email. Shoot them a text message. Say something to someone before you leave today. Send, send somebody, send, send some people some words of affirmation and some encouragement. What that means is like, hey, I've noticed this in you and I just want to say how much I appreciate it. That's what it is. You don't have to invite them anywhere. I think that's partly we're concerned. If I start a conversation with somebody, where's that gonna lead? Oh my gosh, I don't have, I can't, I can't. This week is so busy. Don't invite them to do anything. Just bless them. 
hey, I noticed something worthwhile about you. Just say it. I'm a little bit like Mark Twain. I can live for two months on a good compliment or until the first bad compliment and then it just resets and goes right back. So it could be very short-lived. But most of us can go a long time on one word of affirmation. If you think about it for a second, I bet most of us in this room could come up with something that someone said to us when we're a kid. And it might be weird that we've held on to that or that we can remember it, but it was a word of affirmation we hold on to. And every now and then we remember. Words matter. So to show you how easy it is, I want everyone to take out your phone right now. Every single person who has a phone, don't act like you don't have a phone. Every single person who has a phone, take your phone out. And I'm gonna give you my number, I'm just kidding. We're gonna do, <laughs> just start affirming me. Whatever you wanna say, whatever thing you like, whatever, or have heard about me that you think is good, say it. And I want you to think about the first person, maybe on your, in your address book, the, in your favorites, or the last person you communicated with. It's an easy way to do this. You don't, you don't even have to try really hard. Just pick a person. And I want you to take the next 60 seconds and I want you to think about something simple to say to that person that would affirm them. Okay, make sure your phones are, phones are silenced because there might be some like cross blessing going on here which would be great. Think about it and I just want you to type that text up right now and just shoot them a quick text. And when you're done, just, <laughs> we'll do it. This is for all you teachers in the room. Hold your phones up when you're done so I know that you're, you're finished. Just hold your phone up so I can see when you've, when you've done it. Anyone who wants to be first? I don't see anyone yet. We're gonna have to cut this out of the recording because people are gonna think I preached for too long. Every minute counts. Okay, Bill, thank you. Just raise your hand once you're done and just put it back down. I've sent my affirmation text. Depot, are you not texting me this morning? You, Okay, he's got my number, excellent, he's done, he's done it. Great, 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 okay, great. Let's keep going, I got one, thank you. I won't say who it's from, but thank you. I'll read it later. Or if the sermon starts going bad, I'll just read it then. So guys, you are one third of your way through the first habit this week. I wanna say like, how difficult was it? How many of you found this to be Super easy, it's like, oh my gosh, that was like a, almost like a no-brainer. Just raise your hand. I found it to be like kind of super easy, actually. That's not really that big of a deal. How many of you found it to be like, actually, that was really hard for me for some reason? Just could you be honest and just raise your hand? A handful of you, great, great. How many of you are like, I don't think this is, has anything to do with Jesus? Just raise your hand. You just think, I don't know what you're doing right now. Do you work for AT&T or something? What's happening here? It's that easy. Now, if we could just get in the habit, if we could just get out of our own heads, our own lives for two seconds and just look around us. There's so many people, so many people to affirm. You can bless with your words of affirmation. Also this week, you can bless with your acts of kindness. If anybody has gone through or is in recovery, you, you may know that in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a there's a card, it's, it's called the Just For Today card. And it contains nine daily promises that a person in recovery makes. And one of the 
uh, one of the, the promises is this, is the fifth promise. I will do somebody a good turn and will not get found out. And if anybody knows of it, it will not count. Now, we're not gonna be as strict as, as AA. But what we are going to do is to begin to think about not just the words, because words are great, words are so powerful, but we can also bless people simply by doing things for them. And some of you in the church, this is like your jam. This is just what you do. I don't know how you do it, but you just know kind of like what needs to be done or what a person would receive as, as good news to them. Every single day here in the city presents us countless opportunities to bless somebody with our actions. Every single day. What about, think about the elderly person in your building, or, or the family with all those kids, or, uh, or, the, or the man that you see every day behind the counter at your bodega, or the new person at work. I referenced this early, and I, I wanna drill down a little bit deeper. Can, right now, can you bless someone who's competing with you for a promotion? Have you ever seen it? So if you did it, it might make you the first person in your office ever to do an act of kindness or speak a word of affirmation to a person that's trying to outwork you. You work 10 hours today, they're gonna stick around and work an extra hour. You're gonna get there at seven tomorrow morning, they're gonna find out somehow and they're gonna get there at six in the morning. Can you bless that person? I want to, if you can, now you're starting to live a life worth questioning. You see, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but look how different it is than what we normally experience. Thirdly, you can bless by giving gifts. See, at, at the heart of love is this spirit. It's the spirit of giving. That's at the heart of love. And when you give a gift or when you get a, a, a gift, it, it shows the person, you or the person that you're giving the gift to, that, that, that they are known, that they're cared for, and that they're valued. You say, how do I go around just like buying gifts? For you don't have to buy gifts. Like, some gifts are free. You're always trying to get rid of crap in your apartment. Like, just... <laughs> Find something of, that has some sort of connection or sentimental value and watch it turn into treasure. Watch it. Then not only do you have more space in your apartment, but somebody really feels loved. Like this is the perfect thing for us. We could engage in a kind of gift giving that doesn't cost us money. In fact, when you say, well, not everybody, so often the gift that you receive and the value that you feel having received the gift oftentimes has very little to do with the actual value of the gift itself. It's, that's not what it's about. It's about doing it. Because gifts come in all sizes, all shapes, all colors. Some are expensive, some are free. And some of the gifts that we give, we might give them for obvious reasons. Uh, a baby shower or uh, a, a wedding or a birthday party or, or whatever. But, but sometimes we just give as a simple expression of our, of our love that a person has been thought of. So, first habit. I will bless three people this week, one of whom or who is not yet a follower of Jesus. I want to just share this story with you quickly. I read this week about uh, a researcher 
who studied two short-term missionaries that, or teams of missionaries, I should say, that visited Thailand. And they each employed a very distinct sort of, sort of missional strategy. Uh, one team, the researcher refers to as the blessers, and they went in with the intention of just simply blessing people. That was their whole reason to be in Thailand. How many ways can we come up uh, with to bless, to bless people here? And that's what they saw their, their mission to be, whoever came their way in whatever practical ways that they could. The second group was a group called the converters. And they went in with the sole intention of evangelizing, of sharing their faith, and converting people everywhere that they go to see, everywhere that they encountered people to see them uh, come to know Jesus. Um, there's an obvious sort of piece of, of, of the findings, which is the people who went in to bless, the blessers, they had a greater social impact overall uh, because of their time there. In other words, like just the culture around them and the society itself, it, was, it, was, it, had, a, it had, a, had a real impact. Of course, that makes sense. Um, when we go into our worlds as people who are sent to our workplaces or to our schools or our buildings or neighborhoods, when we go in with the intention of contributing to the social good of our context, well, I, you would assume if that's our goal to bless people, to, to make our society better, that probably will get better, at least in some, in some ways. But this is the interesting thing about the research. The blessers also had almost 50 times as many conversions as the converter group. Just a cough, that's all you get for that? 50 times the number of people actually said, what is this kind of life? Why are you doing this? And of course the answer is Jesus. When we live in unexpected ways, our lives are worth questioning. I don't know if you believe it yet, but let's give it a few weeks. Let's actually put this to the test and see if people don't start asking questions. And when people ask about the hope that we have, we can talk about Jesus. We can talk about Jesus because we know Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. We can talk about Jesus because we know the stories about his life and the way he treated children and the way he welcomed women into his, into his ministry and the way he cared for the sick and the way that all of the marginalized were brought to the center with Jesus and by Jesus and the way he the way he stood up against the religious bullies of his day, and the way he stood up against politics that only worked for a certain group of people. And if you think I'm being political, I'm just talking about Jesus. I'm just talking about his life. You can interpret that how you want. But everywhere Jesus went, something happened. Someone was challenged. Someone was rebuked. Someone was welcomed. Someone was touched. Someone was healed. See, but my concern is that we go about our lives in the city as Christians and nothing happens. Something should be happening. And it should be happening because we should be living lives that tell a better story, that sing a better song. So I want to end with a couple of warnings. One, uh, blessing others will absolutely provide opportunities to share our faith, but can we choose not to bless in order to just share our faith? Does that make sense? Some of us, and some of us are gifted evangelists, and we're ready, man. We're like, give us, a, give us a phone book, which 
I don't even think exists anymore. Give us a list of, give us a Facebook friend, whatever, and let me go to town. And you're ready to go. And I love that, and I think that's great. But, but, but blessing isn't just a way to get people to believe what we believe. Do you remember what God said to Abraham way back in Genesis 12 at the very beginning of this whole thing? He said to Abraham, I want you to take everything you have. I want you to pick up. I want you to leave. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And he said, I will make you a blessing to all nations. All nations. Not I will convert the whole world through you. No, I will make you a blessing to all nations. So we want to live as blessings because that's what Jesus does. Jesus is God literally in the flesh. And he shows us how to live. And he shows us what it looks like to live a life of blessing. And not everybody that encountered Jesus put their faith in him, but he blessed. We're called to bless in order to bless. So let's develop that habit uh, regardless. And then the second uh, warning is to remind us that successful blessing is blessing that's been done when the recipient receives the blessing. When the person sees it as a blessing. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This isn't about making you feel good. Oh, I blessed my three people this week. Did they actually feel blessed or were they kind of annoyed or like, was it not a blessing? Did you do something for them they, like, they don't really like or was offensive in some way culturally or something? If so, that's not the point. The point is to do this in a way that someone receives, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. So we need to become students of the people we're blessing. Do we know the person? Do we know their life? Or at least enough about it to bless. Church history, I think you'll agree, is full of stories in which whole nations were, quote, blessed by Christian empires. And uh, colonial era missionaries thought they were bringing a blessing to the people, the locals that they, that they were sent to, but in fact they were seen as part of the dehumanization and the terror taking place in the world at that time. So we want to be careful. We want to be careful. And then a third word of caution is this, that your blessing won't always be received. It won't always be received. And uh, sometimes your motives will be questioned and sometimes you'll be misunderstood. And what I wanna say about all of that is that's okay. That's okay. Can, can we try to be like unoffendable blessers? Like, I'm so sorry if, I'm so sorry. if that wasn't the thing, I, I apologize. I just, will you forgive me? Let's just humble ourselves. Not, you know, I'm doing this, my church is doing this. And by the way, I went out of my way to send you that text message, right? That's, that's a terrible attitude to have. <laughs> terrible. So we want to submit and posture ourselves. So if our posture is one of humility, we'll be able to move on and continue to sing a better song. Now, you might be sitting out there this morning um, tempted or frustrated we're living in some tension right now. And, and let me just say to you, 
I don't think this is the fullness of what it means to alert people to the reign of God and the person of Jesus. I mean, this isn't a magic bullet. And, and you'll see, because it's a much longer teaching series, there's a lot more to come. And so hang in there with me uh, as, we, as we learn to open our homes in sort of like Christ-like hospitality. And then we move in to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then we posture ourselves at the feet of Jesus to learn from him the way that he lived his life. And then the way we actually um, intentionally think about our life as being sent and begin to identify specific people and places and passions. Like stick with it, stick with it. This isn't everything, but it's a beginning. It's the beginning. So we wanna just be like Jesus. And you may say, well, this is a silly way to do it. Maybe, maybe you're right but it's a way. Let's take some steps of obedience together as a community and see what God has in store for us. I wanna invite you to stand as we prepare for communion this morning.